We are coming in hot. The podcast. Welcome to Coming In Hot. Thank you, live from Airplay Beats, for the intro music. We are recording live from the new Darling Media Studios in Midtown Sac. Now, today's conversation is uh, something that's a little bit personal to me. Um, and I want to start this podcast off with, you know, saying I am a man and I know that, you know, I'm going to be talking about things that are happening at an all female high school in Sacramento. So I did want to, you know, start the podcast off with saying that I, I brought three women on here that can explain this situation way better than I can. Um, we're talking about this hot topic in Sacramento going on uh, with uh, a student using blackface in a Zoom call at St. Francis High School. And when my producer asked me if I knew anybody that went to St. Francis, I was like, yeah, my sister went. Um, me and my sister are four years apart in grade. So growing up, we never, we, we didn't really cross paths. So um, when I heard her story, um, it was, it was the first time I heard it because like I said, we, we, we didn't, we didn't cross paths like during that time back in the nineties when we were going to high school. And, you know, um, so I brought her on, her name is Valicia Jackson Clay. Uh, we also have Lania Willis Smith here. And we also have Natalie Allen and Natalie and Lania are the, the co-chair of the black alumni association at St. Francis. So we're going to do a round table here uh, talking about where their feelings were back in the nineties at St. Francis and how St. Francis is trying to, you know, right their wrongs. I, I want to say, um, I, I believe that St. Francis does know that there is an issue going on. Um, and, this is just the intro. Like I said, I'm not trying to mansplain anything right now. So I just want to start with getting their stories and their experience of what they went through when they were at St. Francis. So we will start with my sis. Happy birthday, sis. Welcome to coming in hot. Thank you. And uh, yeah, <laughs> Valicia Jackson Clay. Um, just, you know, tell us, you know, your experience and then we could go into your thoughts on the recent events that happened. So the floor is yours, sis. All right. Thank you. Thank you for inviting the invite and thank you for allowing me to speak about my experience. I know mine is not unique, but it was unique for me in the 90s. Um, you know, we you know where we went. We went to a different type of private school initially from first through eighth. I was at a school that was predominantly Latinos. Um, so going over to St. Francis was very much a culture shock. Um, I know you asked me in the past, why, <laughs> why St. Francis? And I don't think I had a choice in the matter. Mm -hmm. um, there was a few schools out there that continued the, uh, the parochial education and St. Francis was the one that my mom picked for me. So that was the one that I ended up going to, testing and going to. 
Mm-hmm. Um, throughout the four years, like I said, the first year was definitely a culture shock. Um, when I got into my actual classes, I think I was in a remedial, I don't know what they call it now, but a remedial English class where um, from first to eighth, I was always on the honor roll. So just being put in a different class or a lower level class was kind of an experience for me. Um, And then going from there, the teachers, um, there were some good ones. There were some bad ones. But I feel like the teachers that were there that were work that I worked directly with didn't have a vested interest in what I did. So I kind of coasted along. There was never a push for me to do better. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a prep school. I was not prepared for anything. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel I needed to have that preparation before I went, maybe needed to have more when I got home. But um, there was definitely not a prep. I did not know how to write a paper when I graduated and went to college. Um, I did not know uh, a lot of details that you need to know that in college, they're already wanting you to know. So I kind of went into college and bombed my first year. Uh. Um, and and behavior wise, all students that are teenagers go through things. So I'm not going to say that <laughs> I was the best student in the world. I definitely was not. I was more cultured. <laughs> than the rest of the students. Say what you uh, gotta say, I sis. <laughs> I was hood. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> the neighborhood that I was in definitely had an influence on, you know, on me, even though the majority of the people that I hung around hung around with were at the high school. So just having that stark difference, you know, I'm going to school with teacher or excuse me, with students that have, have everything. And then coming back home to uh, neighborhoods and friends that don't have anything, mm-hmm. we're really making it. So um, just that stark difference and my behavior um, swayed back and forth. I felt like I had to do a tight rope type of dance going on. Um, but what the the majority of my problem was at the school was that they didn't understand me. They didn't understand. They didn't take time to understand who I was, where I came from, and then what I needed out of the school. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents paid a lot of money for me to go and have the best education. And your behavior and how you feel affects your education as well. So I felt very missed. Um, as a student, they didn't know what to do with me. They didn't know how to take me and they didn't take the time. I th- it was very a standoffish thing. There was no one that said, let me just take this child and help her find her way. Give her a, a, a few, you know, tidbits of, of tips and things like that to help her along the way. Um, I think my biggest miss was when I was preparing and I don't know, Lania, you're going to have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was the end of junior year, the beginning of um, of senior year. And can I say teachers' names or whoever? She was the vice principal at the time. <laughs> she was the vice principal at the time, and she was pulling seniors. I'm going to say seniors or juniors, um, preparing for our college talk. You know, based on your grades, where what college do you want to go to? 
So my talk with her was about five minutes. And she said, oh, let me look. Just your transcript. And I felt like she pulled out like a, a college book. And she just went to the little local state colleges around Sacramento. Like, oh, you can go here. You can go here. You can go here. Ta-da. There was no like, <laughs> this is how you fill out anything. This is how you, you know, reach out. What interests do you have? What do you want to do? There was nothing. It was, oh, this is your GPA. And this is the colleges that you can go to. Now, luckily, I was not the one that she talked to saying, you're not good enough to go to college. Because I do know that that conversation was had with other people. But at least she gave me five minutes of, these are the generic colleges that I'm going to give you. So. Um, that was my experience. I can't say that I had any real horrible experience with any students. I did see a different, a, a definite difference. I didn't have uh, friends from different area codes and zip codes. You understand what I'm saying? Mm. I was pretty much <laughs> kept in my place yeah. with those because I think that a lot of it was, you know, nose down. Your your parents work for the state. Oh. You know, (laughs) middle class, oh, you know, we can't play with you. Um, But I was okay with that. I'd rather have somebody, you know, like me for me than just take me as a token. Yeah. You know what I mean? I hear you, sis. It's my experience. You can anymore I can. (laughs) (laughs) now you know we only got an hour show here so you know we want to get everybody else in here um but thank you for your story and your honesty and um let's go to you lania um you know you and my sister uh graduated uh at the same time right yes yes so basically we went to saint francis when the dinosaurs were going to saint francis (laughs) it was so long ago i'm just kidding i feel like i'm getting super old now like anyway I'm, I'll, I'll get around it. But uh, we graduated in 95. Uh, so it does seem like forever ago. Um, but yeah, so for me, a um, little different. Natalie and I were talking about this yesterday. Um, so my parents were, I'll call it the upper middle class um, in terms of, you know, and where we lived. And, you know, we had relatively um, nice whatever, but not in comparison to most of the girls uh, that went to St. Francis or either way, uh, you know, our parents, my parents did not spoil me like, like they got spoiled. Um, So, you know, I always like had a job in the summer. They taught me about working and about all those types of things. Um, They gave me like a small allowance and like a, like a really old Volvo. And that was my car, you know, at least I had a car. Right. But that was that was it, though. You know, you, you you guys know what I'm talking about. You see girls pulling with like new Mercedes convertibles and drop tops and like all kinds of stuff. Um, so in comparison, definitely was not spoiled uh, proportionate to probably how I could have been spoiled. Um, it wasn't two buses in a train, though. Right. Right. And we did. Right. Exactly. But I did take the bus to get to school, though. I did. Uh, most of my time there, I was pretty young. Uh, I didn't start driving until the middle of my junior year. But anyway, um, for me, um, I was a nerd. I'd like to consider myself a cool one, though. You know, I probably tried to hide it every now and then. Um, so academically, I always have, you know, been one of those people that excelled. Um, you know, I think the lowest GPA I probably had at St. Francis was like a 3, 4, 3, 5 my freshman year. After that, everything was 
4.2, 4.3 type of semesters, 3.7, you know, stuff like that. Congratulations um, on that. Yeah. But even though I was in that category, it's interesting to hear from Galicia what she had to say. I also was not treated, though, like I could go wherever. I, I, I also was not pushed to go, you know, or encouraged that I could be anything, do anything type of uh, type of approach. Um, and so everywhere that I applied to, it was because me and my mom or my dad, you know, had a conversation about it, but they didn't push me. And absolutely, you know, we had to fight. There were several of us that we had to fight to be in our honors classes. We had to fight to be in our advanced placement classes. They did not want to let us in there. They did not feel like we, you know, were capable of doing a good job. Even though I told you I was getting the grades that I just explained, I still too had to fight to be in the, you know, in those classes. Um, and I absolutely remember my AP calculus teacher, uh, you know, he like, did not think I was going to pass that advanced placement test. Uh, and I did, you know, do a good job on it. And he was like, Oh, like really shocked, you know, like, so there's a lot of that that happened over time. We had a history professor that was like super borderline Confederate. Uh, Mm, mm. he was just like, he always was talking about the Confederacy and like had his little Confederate uh, side of the civil war thing going on. But anyway, um, I think what was interesting, and I think that I I can see it now as we get older, you know, I think that when you put a whole bunch of people together like that from different parts of town, uh, different races, different everything, um, in in different socioeconomic backgrounds, um, and then you're awkward, you're a girl, you're, you're black, and you, there aren't that many of you. So it's very weird. Like you want to fit in with the white people or with everybody else, um, you also want to identify with people that look like you. So everybody handles that differently. Some people will completely ignore people that look like you and just go hang out with the, with the people that don't look like you. And then there's some of us that just gravitated towards the people that look like us, no matter what. And that's what we were going to do. Um, so anyway, um, I know that Natalie can talk not only about, um, you know, kind of what, what we went through, but I think it's important to talk about just, Things that happened in years um, in terms of girls and their experiences. You know, I, I just want to point out a couple of things, and then I'll let her pick up. Um, you know, even as of last year, they were doing things like reenacting slavery in class. Um, and then, like, if a black girl pulled like a card that was like a slave owner or something like that, the teacher like took it back and was, and I was like, no, you need the slave card instead. Um, so that kind of stuff. Is still going on. You know, I, I think it's important to focus on stuff that even today is still going on. You know, it was just last year or recently that, you know, a, a, a faculty member called, you know, used the N-word, the hard R N-word, uh, and basically, you know, uh, just had, in front of Black people too, but just had no, like, like whatever, like, you know, like just basically used it. Um, and there were no reper- repercussions or ramifications for that. Um, Lots of like Trump support and, you know, it's cool to go push whatever, you know, Trump wants and his quotes and his whatever. But when President Obama was in office, you know, they wouldn't let them use President Obama for their senior quotes, um, stuff like that. Um, I know there was a little girl who was really impacted by Stephon Clark when he got um, uh, murdered and, you know, she was crying. Um, she also knew the family and one of the teachers told her, you need to take your black issues home. Mm. 
Um, so I say all this to say that there's recent things. It's not just about, you know, 30, 20 years ago, it's recent things. And I think that it's more about when you bring a whole bunch of people from the community, you know, that don't look like us too, and they've never been around us. They just don't know how to uh, act. And really it's up to the school to train them and educate them so that they can be educated before they leave on, um, you know, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, what's racist, what's not, so on and so forth. Anyway. Okay. Hey, Lanita, thank you so much. We're going to circle back to that, but uh, we just want to get Natalie Allen in here and you're uh, most, uh, the most recent grad from uh, St. Francis. Um, So yeah, that's what's (laughs) up. So um, yeah, yeah, go ahead and, you know, tell us about your experience and then we could, um, you know, go on to a few other questions. Yeah. So it's interesting because like Linnea said, we were talking about this yesterday. I grew up, you know, my dad is a OBGYN and, you know, he's intermittently the chief at Mercy and at Sutter. And he's the reason he and my dad's friends, they're the reasons why when I think of a doctor, a dentist or a professional, I think of a black person. I don't think of some weird white person with a bow tie or whatever. Like I actually Mm -hmm. think of my dad or family. So I grew up pretty privileged. And then I remember going to St. Francis and thinking, wow, this is a whole other level of privilege. I mean, there are BMWs here. There were girls with Lambos when I was there. I mean, Mm. it was insane. Um, But I also was like, "Mm, whatever, I'm just a kid. I'm going to survive. And then fourth day of school, I was in health class. And I remember we were discussing prevalent illnesses based on race when a white student spoke up and said, AIDS is popular amongst the Blacks because most are dirty and educated and live in the ghetto. Wow. And I had a whole panic attack. And I remember going home and my dad went back to school the next day and he chewed out the teacher, you know, why is my money not enough to protect my child? Mm-hmm. Fast forward a month later and there was a group of 10 of us girls that confronted um, a white girl who was going around using the N word hard R and you know, maybe you don't circle people by their locker um, to let them know that, hey, I heard what you were saying and this needs to stop. Having said that, out of that group of 10, only three of us were Black. The three Black students got letters sent home to our parents calling us perceived threats to the safety of other students. Wow. Nothing happened to the students saying it or whatever. And I remember my dad um, calling a meeting with my friends and their dads, you know, and they sat us down and basically said, okay, St. Francis is a really great school. You're going to get a great education. It's also extremely racist. You're going to have a completely different experience. And if you're not aware of this, you're doing yourself a disservice. And my childhood, basically, I mean, there are other things, you know, where you grow up quickly, but that basically made me hyper aware and more hyper vigilant. So it didn't stop there. I remember my sophomore year, um, my best friend and I wanting to start a BSU and it was denied because the name was too exclusive, even though there was an Irish and an Asian Pacific Islander club at the time. So with support of our parents, we showed up with a new club name called students of color because you know, whites of color, technically that's not what we meant, but whatever. Um, I remember getting threats to my face from other white students threatening to start a KKK club Mm. or a white club. I remember getting bullied by my Spanish teacher saying that we were embarrassments. Um, um, You know, and I also remember after months of going back and forth school, the school finally coming back to us and saying we could have the African-American Hispanic culture club or nothing because as a former administrator, let me know a few years ago, the behind the scenes discussions were 
why do they need their own club? So it was, and I mean, again, this was up until 2008, 2009. Um, and it's just, it's, it's, it's disappointing when I hear stories from girls, like Lania was saying, where they're reenacting slavery or different things, because I know I went through things, but this is, it hasn't stopped. Um, and in some ways I feel that it's gotten worse. Hey, um, Natalie, can I stop you real quick? Did any of those yeah. students get reprimanded for any of this? No. 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 Okay. No reprimandation. I just felt traumatized and oh, like, wow. oh, well, people hate me at school. And this is a really interesting experience. Now, granted, I was part of a really large group of Black and Hispanic students. So we had our little group. But outside of that, it was very clear that it was not a safe space. Mm -hmm. um, once your teacher starts saying that these students should be reprimanded, it makes it clear that you're not supported or mm -hmm. that you're not safe. Um, so yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting experience. And so it's interesting how Lania was saying this stuff hasn't stopped. There are a couple of girls that recently graduated and they, we were recently talking about some stories and actually they got a very similar letter for a similar situation. They spoke up about someone using a racial slur and she got a letter sent home last year saying that she was a perceived threat to the safety of other students. Wow. Yep. So there's a history of that, by the way, too, of just reprimanding, you know, black students differently than everybody else. Like, oh, yeah. that's like a like a like a overtime, like a consistent across the board, way more harsh punishment across the board oh, and yeah. perceiving as a threat and telling you that you're a threat. Like, it's like that's that. Yeah. And that's that. It shouldn't be that way. But it is. Yeah, yeah for, for sure. I can't remember a specific yeah. instance, but I do remember when you said that the locker thing, I was like, you know what? I did receive a locker note saying that I was a N word. I remember that. I I just, you know, sometimes you just block stuff out, but when you brought it up, I was like, you know what? I did get that. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. I mean, I remember working hard to get, remember we had the only one black history month celebration, right? I had to work very hard to get that one that we had in all those years. And I think it, it ended up being my senior year, but we had to work very, very hard and like to just have one celebration that celebrated us. Right. Right. Absolutely. Do you guys remember reading Huck Finn in class too? Um, so the adventures of Huck Finn literally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. exactly so that's still going on i mean up until last year once the school decided to take it off of their reading list up until 2020 they were still reading huck finn out loud in class now huck finn literally has one page that uses the n-word hard r 38 times so if you're the only besides the fact that it's just completely tone deaf and not appropriate for the times if you're the only black student in that class and your teacher at least my teacher literally said i know that the word's uncomfortable and it's an ugly word but it's very important to preserve the integrity of a piece of art. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Not about the student, not about whatever. So I just had to sit there and I was doing really well in English. Like I got a three, seven that semester. I'm more, Lania is the smart one. Not that I'm not smart, but I'm like the creative one over here. But I definitely, my grade in A in English went down to like a D and F throughout Huck Finn because I hated having to go home and read it. So I just wouldn't. Mm -hmm. I just so um, Natalie and Lania, um, you guys were on the panel last year. Um, I, I believe it was a Zoom call um, with the black alumni. Are you surprised that the, the, the things after that panel 
that the student with the black face and it wasn't just one incident with the black face. It was, it was multiple. Um, are you surprised after that panel that the black face was still used and the, the child uh, right away wasn't reprimanded? Um, it just recently got kicked out of school, but are you surprised that that actually happened? Real quick, we don't know that they got kicked out because the same okay. uh, has been very careful about saying that they are no longer a student. Okay. He says that they, they withdrew, not that they got kicked okay. out. Okay. Let me just thank you for correcting that. Yep. No, 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 it's okay. Um, I, I wouldn't say that I am uh, surprised that it happened. I'm not surprised that people do racist stuff anymore in this phase of my life. So that part I'm not surprised about. I am surprised, though, and disappointed just in how St. Francis handled it. Um, and, you know, since they had those the calls last year where alumni were starting to speak out and say, you know, there's been stuff going on for, you know, decades that is still going on and needs to stop. Um, you know, they have, they, they started this rec- rec- racial reconciliation plan and all these things that they wanted to do to try to do better and be better. And even in the rec- rec- racial reconciliation plan, it talks about uh, transparency and accountability. And the fact that they uh, intentionally tried to sweep this under the rug. And when we say that, you know, we're aware of an internal uh, memo that was sent out saying that they wanted to it not to get out. Um, so the fact that it intentionally was swept under the rug, that that is disappointing. The fact that they didn't reach out to the Black alumni group, which is part of the rec- reconciliation plan, the fact that they didn't reach out to the Black parent group, which is part of it. And it talks about also having a committee and negotiation and mediation and working through these types of things jointly and, 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 you know, in a, in a good way, the fact that instead of following that and, you know, taking the opportunity, they had a missed opportunity here. They could have done right. Um, And they could have also protected the girl, you know, in, in terms of who it was, they didn't need to say any names, but they did, they could have stood up for the fact that this is not acceptable. We will not accept this. We will not tolerate this. And if anybody does this, they will be punished, you know, accordingly. Um, and instead, they just let the girl, you know, I think uh, she was suspended um, for a week, but nobody knew. Nobody knew why. So she went to Tahoe for the week and basically made it seem like um, she was just on vacation, uh, posting pictures, being happy. Wow. Um, so just it was more about the way that it was handled. And also when the parents went to them and tried to talk to them, you know, they made it sound like it was a long time ago. They're still saying that right now. It was a long time ago what happened. Um, and that's a problem because maybe the picture might have been, you know, last year. That's really not the point. The point is, is that St. Francis found out about it in January. It's about what they did and didn't do in this short time frame and, and stop deflecting that it happened a long time ago. No, you got the information now and it surfaced recently in the last month or two uh, also. So you your actions and inactions happen right now. So that that's the part that I, I would say I'm disappointed. Okay. Natalie, your I thoughts real Linnea. quick. Yeah, I agree with Linnea. Um, I think that we can all agree that St. Francis did not handle or navigate this incident appropriately. Um, you know, I can understand wanting to um, not say her identity or something because she is a minor. Totally get that. But literally after last summer it's in the handbook it's in the racial reconciliation plan it's in everything that 
there's going to be transparency, there's going to be accountability, and there's going to be an enforcement on these rules. And as somebody that, you know, I I was reached out to last year, and I always joke that I bamboozled Linnea into all of this, but really not. She's been amazing. Like, I, uh, the school had reached out to me, you know, um, help us, like, what can we do and everything. And so to say, I, I'm with Linnea, I'm not surprised, but it is disappointing, because we have Linnea can tell you, like she up until the rally last week had not stepped foot on St. Francis's campus or had ever gone back. My 10 year reunion was last year and I was like, deuces, like I am not going to be there. And I live in Sacramento. Um, We've provided an access to them to the point where, I mean, the administrators have my cell phone number, they have our email addresses. They reached out to us to help them. And so for me, um, on a side note, I, I co-moderate the BSU on campus too. Um, it's disappointing that I'm trying to encourage and empower these girls and telling them, no, they're trying. They, they, they heard you guys. We're going to try and do all these things. And then this happens. Um, to say that it was a slap in the face to the Black St. Francis community as a whole would be a complete understatement. Wow. So, you know... Lania, I, I got a specific question for you. Why did you go back? Because I, I know, and you know, like my sister could tell you, uh, she told me she was she was done. You know, after what was it, two thousand? You said, sis. I think it might have been earlier than that, um, mm. but um, yeah, around two thousand, I asked to be removed from any communication um, that they were sending out about the school. Mm-hmm. And, and Lania, how? You know, Natalie said she she wrangled you, but what, why why what was the final thing where you're like, okay, let me go try to right some wrongs. What what was your um what was your position with coming back to the the campus? I want to start by saying this: um, there's many of us that have like it's kind of like trauma from childhood. You don't realize it until you get older. You know, I, I definitely avoid, I, I, I had not set foot on that campus since I graduated in 1995. Okay. Um, and so like when we went to the rally last week, I didn't even know that they had like, I knew they had remodeled it, but I didn't know that the front of the school had changed. I didn't, like, I went to the backside thinking that was the front still, you know, it's a long story. Those of you that are familiar with the school know what I'm talking about. Um, but to to answer your question about why it's really about the girls it's really about the fact that i know i am not here to bash saint francis at all i still believe that saint francis uh provided me a great education i think it could have been better but i it was a wonderful education it provided me wonderful opportunities and if you talk to a, to a lot of us you know we did go on to be successful or those types of things it did give us a good foundation for, you know, where we, where we went thereafter. Um, so, but for me, it's more about, you know, it's more about helping the girls. They need us. They, they don't, now we have the benefit of being older and of, of understanding what they're going to encounter in life, not only in high school, but also as they go forward. And um, I really just want to be there for them and make sure that they're supported and loved, that their parents feel that way as well. And that we provide them with mentorship and, um, you know, programming to talk about how to be successful, how to deal with things like that. And just that they feel supported and loved, because I know that if they feel supported and loved, then it will help them get through. And it might even encourage more people to come to the school. And I, I ultimately, I want St. Francis to be better. 
I'm not in a place where I'm just like, oh, whatever, you know, forget St. Francis. Like I, I really actually wanted to get better and I want to work with the school to do that. Um, so anyway, that's the answer to the question. So um, I, this is for all three of you. What, what advice would you give parents of black children or black uh, women young women going to uh, St. Francis and what are, you know, just a few pros and cons that, you know, you guys could tell incoming uh, young black women going to St. Francis. We can start with you, Lania. Um, I think we established the cons. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go into it further. Yeah. Um, but on a positive side, um, you know, I, I like going to an all-girls school. I know, you know, we, we didn't have to do makeup and, and all that kind of stuff. You show up in class. <laughs> Everything was focused on you. You had to do your hair. You had a little, little bun or whatever. You Those know. were the days, man. Those right. The days. <laughs> right. Um, you know, and everything is focused on you, all the sports, all the, you know, there's no boys, too. You're not trying to impress a boy all day at school. So um, I really like the fact that while I was in school, I could focus and concentrate on my education. Um, and then after school, then we can put on a little lipstick or something and go to track meet and uh, go do our thing. But uh, but yeah, I would say, you know, it's a great education. Um, I, I would still encourage people to go there. I just also would encourage people to to encourage St. Francis to do better. And Natalie. I agree with you, Linnea, honestly, um, I look back and you know, I was able to take AP Spanish for my junior year, and then I was able to take AP Spanish Lit by my senior year. So by the time I started college, I had 12 AP units, which is a free semester right there, um, which there is there is a definite benefit to that. I think uh, because of the talk that my dad had with me my freshman year, I was well aware that I was living a different experience. And so I will say that, you know, working in corporate America or doing something else, it does prepare you. Um, I, I can write a good paper too. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like I can write a good paper. And, um, so different things like that. I will say that even though St. Francis didn't ha and has not done a good job of establishing a broad black sisterhood, they did instill the idea of sisterhood and the idea of having your girls and having people there that really have your back. Um, which, is partly what excites me about the Black alum group. I feel like we're able to do that for our girls, kind of really establish a good sisterhood. That's great. Uh, sis? I wish I had an experience like y'all. I cannot say the same thing about um, St. Francis. And I don't mean to, to sound mean, but it's just, it's my experience. I would say, do your due diligence. You know, don't pay money to be treated bad. Okay. Um, that's what it is. Don't pay money to be treated bad. There's other schools out there that, you know, you can go for free and, and get an education if you work hard at it. Um, so if you're a, a, a child like I was, if you're a student like I was, um, open communication with your parents if you can. Um, about your experience that's going on to help you navigate, um, like Natalie's dad helped her navigate. I, 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 it was a big miss on my part that I did not communicate this with my parents. So they didn't know what was going on. They did not know. They knew last week. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> what was going on uh, with me at St. Francis. So um, open communication with your parents, due diligence, you know, try to maybe buddy up with someone there that can help you navigate, whether it's, you know, you going to different staff and teachers or just getting a hold of someone, uh, an, another person that looks like you, or maybe that doesn't look like you, but that you have a connection with, like Natalie said, sisterhood that you have a connection with that help that can help you navigate and really get what St. Francis is really trying to do, which is focus on young women to do the best that they can in the world for filled with men, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, what I recommend it or not, I'm still on the fence with that just because of my experience, but you know, there, there are some good attributes as you see here with Linnea and Natalie. So uh, this question is for Linnea and Natalie, because you guys um, are working around the faculty there. Uh, How are you navigating, you know, staff that are still unaware of what, you know, is going on with black students that go to St. Francis? Have you, ran into any of this? Are you, is there systems in place for, you know, faculty to have tools to, you know, deal with people of color from, you know, lower class all the way up to, you know, you know, uh, people with, you know, money. So um, are you guys working with the faculty in that, uh, in that regard? Yeah. So I started working with the school um, with the admin last summer, basically, I had reached out to them during the COVID pandemic, and they accepted a meeting with me to kind of talk about some of their issues. And then two days before I had my meeting scheduled um, is when they had their, as they've called it, racial uprisings of 2020 or something or other, right after the George Floyd murder. And that's a quote from an admin, not for me. And so um, after that, um, the school posted on its Instagram account that racism had no home at St. Francis, and they got hit with thousands of comments from current and former students disputing the statement. Since I already had a meeting scheduled with the school, I commented on the post asking any former or current students to reach out if they also wanted their voices heard. In the next couple of days, I spoke to over 50 alums and students, and from there, I wrote an eight-point memo with clear suggestions and direction um, to follow based on what alums and students said that they needed. And from there, there were more meetings, conversations, town halls. At the end of the summer, the school implemented the racial reconciliation plan. And we have monthly committee meetings from that. Um, and from there, I, I've been gunning for Linnea to join me forever. I'm kidding. But like, <laughs> I like want her. I was like, I need help. I don't know what I'm doing here. But I can honestly say I'm in a lot of those conversations with the dean, with the president, with whatever. And um, for me, my communication style, I'm not an arguer. Let's start there. Um, So that's the most important thing. It starts with being an arguer, uh, not being an arguer, but rather being a listener. It's kind of like I tell all of the alums, we are no longer the students here. We are the aunties. And as the aunties, that means that we are here to support. We are here to empower. We are here to help create a lasting change. We are not here to be the loudest in the room. Um, As emotional as I might feel, I always try and put myself in the position of the girls and ask, is this going to hurt them? Because at the end of the day, this is their current everyday reality. Um, The other thing is that I found useful talking to them, even when sometimes I, 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 it's not always easy to keep my cool, but I do. Um, I would say I don't just question 
I provide an example and facts to support my questions and to support the root. And then I also try and help with the solution aspect too. So that way, if they ever come back and say, well, we don't know what to do. Remember that meeting we had with that eight point memo that was co-signed by like a hundred other alums and black parents and stuff. Yeah, Mm. you do have direction. So it's a mixture of being an open, being open and listening, but also holding people accountable in a gentle way, I guess. Uh, Lania, you have to add anything to that? Yeah, Yeah, I would just say that, um, you know, they need to have training. And let me just say this. There are not all faculty are the same. Not all administrators are the same. So I'm not going to group them all together and say they're all bad people or something. Um, But they the school needs to be trained from the top down, the administration as well, on how to support black girls. And it is okay to say they need to give special support to black girls, mm-hmm. not just all people of color, but to black girls specifically. We have specific things that we do need extra support um, that's distinct from, you know, our Asian sisters and our Hispanic sisters and, and, and other people of color. And it's okay to say that. Okay. It's okay to say we have to support our black babies. Okay. Um they need training on on what we have to go through, what the the type of things that we experience from our fellow students that is not acceptable that they should stop and nip in the bud. It's little tiny microaggressions, you know, uh, touching your hair. Oh, your hair is different, or you just little things that they say, right? That that uh, black girls we know like the type of stuff that they do. Um, it's the little things and the big things. So they all need training on on that and. You know, because I was the the BSU president three of my four years at Gonzaga where I went to college, and then I was the BALSA president, and then I was the Western Regional Director of National BALSA, then I also was the president of the California Association of Black Lawyers. Um, I understand that when a school approaches um, their students in, in a way that encourages and supports and nurtures their Black students, and recognizes that they do need that extra support. They are going to face extra challenges that others will not. Um, it's a good thing. It's a blessing. I know that right now they see us as like a threat when we get together. No, it's not. We we are able to support each other and love each other. And, and we need to be able to bond in that way. Um, you know, it makes me sad that they were having to fight the BSU, um, you know, the establishment of the BSU. So they don't have any Black faculty there. They have not hired any black faculty. There's no black faculty on that staff. Um, and the same thing about the administration. That's a problem. There's no one that looks like us. The people that they did put in place to that the girls were supposed to trust, you know, they have now felt the girls feel like they, they violated that trust, you know, by the way they handled this situation and other situations. Um, so they need a safe space. They need a safe space with the alum. They need a safe space with each other. They need a safe space with with the faculty and with the administrators. And the administrators and faculty need to have some kind of equity, diversity, continuing training. And the girls need curriculum in their curriculum also that addresses these things so that they can be educated as well and have racial consciousness and and those types of things Um, and, and understand their biases, their privilege, all those things. All those things have to be addressed uh, in, in education. And as a Christian education, as a Catholic education, you know, they need to understand that that's even more important, uh, that we come from a place of love um, and from a place of reconciliation 
and, uh, and, and wanting to support, you know, our black girls. Um, and so anyway, that's what I wanted to add. So are you, uh, Lania and Natalie are, uh, can can black girls come to you? Is that like, uh, you know, is that something like a tunnel that they got, you know, where they could, yep. you know, come to you and, you know what I mean? Just be like, hey, oh. Natalie or uh, Miss Lania or Miss Natalie, you know, I really need help with, um, you know, with this situation. Are, are they so your doors are open to them? Um, yes. they, they have your email. They have your. OK. Okay. Literally, Lenny and I were talking about this, how, what are boundaries anymore? You know, normally when we started on this last year, we were pretty good about, you know, hey, we're working women. (laughs) Lenny Mm -hmm. has a family and everything, Mm -hmm. you know. Now it's like, you know, what's a one o'clock in the morning text message from a crying teenager? It's one of those where, yes, we will be that for them. Because there's this quote that I was talking to Lenny about earlier, where um it's one of my favorite quotes. And it basically just says, uh, be who you needed when you were younger. Right. Mm -hmm. And when I was younger, I remember needing that. Mm -hmm. I remember there being times where it's like, yeah, it's one in the morning. And just, you know, I might not respond to the girls right away at one in the morning, but they are going to hear from me as soon as I see that message, they are going to have a sounding board. Um, we are that safe space. I think one of the coolest things that has come out of this has been when girls talk to me and they say, you know, between talking to you and Linnea, it makes me feel good to know that St. Francis really is just temporary. This isn't going to be my forever. Um, And that's cool. Like, you know, I didn't have an alum that I could, we didn't have that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so it's, yeah, that's what we are. We're the with the hotline now. Okay. And alum are coming back into the fold too. Like people are coming back from the woodworks. They're, you know, they're, they're being inspired by what we're saying and, you know, like, okay, if nothing else, help the girls, you know? Um, so they're starting to come back. And even those of us, you know, this environment creates an environment where you're often pitted against each other. So I realized even in our black alumni community, we need healing amongst ourselves to Alicia. Actually, I can see, you know, some what she said, you know, it just reminds me like we need to go back and reach out to people um, and we need to, to help, you know. Um, but I feel that this heal that we're going to do, you know, as, as, as a group, but also with the girls, I feel like it's only going to make um, St. Francis better. And we absolutely appreciate everybody that's been coming to Woodworks. This is not just a Black fight or a Black issue. I mean, everybody, you know, has been coming out to Woodworks to help in the community. Uh, alum from all, you know, white, everybody has been coming mm-hmm. back in support of what's going on right now and saying that they want St. Francis to be a better place, too. And when we had our rally last week, um, you know, there were hundreds of girls, mostly that didn't look like us. You know, maybe there was like, maybe like 1% that looked like us. Everybody else was, you know, white girls, Hispanic girls, Asian girls, and some boys and, you know, just from different places. And they, it made me cry when I, when I saw them marching and rallying and just basically saying, you know, black lives matter. And, you know, this is not fair and no justice, no peace. And, you know, just all the things, uh, they they support us too and that's different than what it was before i want to say that and it, before it might have just been us but now we have everybody mm-hmm. that's supporting us too and so we appreciate uh, our allies and everybody because it is it's something that once you realize that it's all of us that need to fix this and it's all of us that need to be better then that's when you actually can go ahead and make change so we appreciate that okay and uh sis you, i, I kind of saw you 
waving fingers, something was that the kids or <laughs> did you want to get in? Probably both. <laughs> no, I, I, <laughs> I do have a question um, because as you know, I'm an educator as well. So how soon are, is St. Is Francis looking to staff? Um, I know it's important for my students to see that I'm in place because my school is predominantly staffed by Caucasian women. So when they see me, even when the parents see me, they're like, Ooh, we, we got one. Yes. So I just want to know how soon are they ready to staff? Because I know they weren't there in 91 through 95. When we were, they there. weren't there in 05 through 09 either, girl. <laughs> 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 so. <laughs> and so when I heard that, I was like, that is a definite need to at least see someone um, that looks like you. And, and I believe that person can be like the first contact. They may be overwhelmed, but that's the first contact as a teacher. And then, you know, we can all serve um, as, as, you know, not even backups, but just extra support that they need. But on a daily basis, I, I, I definitely. So how soon with you working with, with the school directly and the admins, how soon are they ready to do that? To make we hope we hope that they will see this, uh, Alicia, and we hope that they will listen to what I'm getting ready to say, which is they need to make it happen immediately as soon as possible. I would hope that by fall of this year, they would have that problem resolved. Um, so I will say, I will go ahead and say that. Um, but up to this point, you know, they're saying the typical, we can't find qualified candidates uh, type of response. Um, and those of us that know, I'm an educator too, I'm a professor. That's not true. They can right. find us if they want to. You know, it, it's the same thing. You have to encourage, you have to push, you have to, if you want it to happen, it'll happen, right? So um, they need to realize the priority of this for the reasons that you said. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, you know, we're, we're going to wrap this up pretty soon here. Um, just want to go around to everybody. Um, we'll, we'll start with you, Natalie. Um, any final thoughts? Um, any final comments of, um, you know, the subject matter? I mean, really, at the end of the day, like Lenny and I have been pointing out, we really do love St. Francis overall. Um, we, it's more so our love for the girls that keep us there, of course. Um, we love that we provide a sense of hope and, uh, you know, that we are a good reminder to the girls. But the fact of the matter is, one thing that I told the school when I talked to them last year, and I bring it up every month in our committee meetings, is that for too long, dignity and a good education have been mutually exclusive ideas for students of color at St. Francis. And enough. Um, those aren't two mutually exclusive ideas. A, a student should be able to get a good education and their dignity shouldn't be pushed and chipped away at every day. That's, that's right. Linnea? Um, you know, I, I would uh, definitely say that, um, you know, even if you don't go to St. Francis, the things that we're seeing still ring true uh, in terms of making sure that you support your children and help them navigate these types of environments. Um, and unfortunately, you know, yes, they will go through things as they get older. Uh, 
And I know that sometimes people use that as an excuse to just let them go through it. But no, that doesn't, as an education, as, a, as an institution, that means you have a responsibility to train and educate your girls so that they're not so naive and ignorant um, as they go out in the earth. Um, one of my neighbors uh, went to St. Francis. She was one of my babysitters for my kids, um, cute little white girl. And, you know, she was talking to me one day and she was like, yeah, you know, something, 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 a colored girl, something, 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 something. And um, it's just that she didn't know better, right? Uh, we need to teach them sensitive, racial sensitivity, cultural sensitivity, so that they go out there in the earth. It's not just about us. It's about everybody being prepared on how to treat each other respectfully and right in this world. Um, and so that's, a, that's the responsibility of all of us um, to do that. So I would just say, you know, that I hope that we can help make some institutional changes. Uh, I also want to say that regardless of what you're told or what you're not told or, you know, uh, how you're counseled, how you're not counseled at any school, um, you can overcome all of that. You can be better. You can do what you want to do. And those those are in your hands uh, as you move forward in life. And so I just want to encourage um, people um, that. You can, you know, we want, we do want to give that message of hope and, and love. Mm -hmm. um, and if more people in the community step up and have this type of attitude, I think that we could see a lot of change across the board in our schools with respect to these same issues. Okay. Sis, you got a minute. I just want to say if I can be someone there to navigate and to support um, someone that looks like me. Um, I'm there for them, you know, to give them the love and support and let them know that it's beyond St. Francis, you know, like, like was said or stated earlier, that's only four years. Once you get out of that four years, you're in real world and you're going to have to do what you can do, rely on what you can rely on as far as your past and your history to either propel you or to help you get along. You know, um, I didn't start off with the best, but baby, I'm here. So, right. um, you know, if I can give them that, that message of hope, like, you know, maybe, maybe you are struggling or maybe you are, you know, not in a place that you want to be either emotionally, physically, or academically, you can get there. You know, it's all about black girl magic. I'm here for it. That's what's up. Black girl magic in the building. Thank you so much. Valicia Jackson, Clay, Lania Willis Smith, and Natalie Allen. I really appreciate you guys for coming on here and telling your truths and you know not, like you said Lania we're not just bashing we're, we're coming with solutions so you know I'm I'm Chef Cease this is coming in hot podcast come see Nash and Proper for those delicious chicken sandwiches they're, all, they're the bomb by the way thank you we were talking about this <laughs> <earlier>. <laughs> well thank you all at Nash and Proper on all social media handles. Coming in hot at all social media handles. I'll see you guys next week. Bye. <laughs>